here. It's so good to have you with us today. For those of you joining online, we're so glad that you are with us as well. Uh, we should celebrate the fact that you're here in person. You don't have COVID right now, so that's a, that's a big thing right now. And I don't say that lightly. I, I'm not trying to minimize it. It's just, I, uh, I was telling, we had like three different bass players scheduled today, and each of them, like, each day got COVID the next day. And so it's like, so you're here. And you're healthy, and that's good. And I, I hope if you are watching online and you're dealing with that, that you have a swift recovery. Uh, before I dig in too deep, I do want to highlight a few of those things in that video. One, um, next Sunday, we are after church, right after church, having a connections meeting. So if you are part of the connections team currently, come to that. And if you are not involved and want to get involved, this is a great way to get involved with us. So that's a great time. Come after church. We'll keep it nice and short. Um, and we'll just give some overviews of what we do, and it's a great way to, again, get involved and be a part of something. Uh, so yeah, you should come. The other one is the, uh, the Dream Center Opportunities. We solidified a brand new partnership with the Delaware uh, Dream Center, and on Monday nights, we are giving out food. Pastor Jason's been doing it for the last couple weeks, and it's a really good opportunity if you wanna serve, if you wanna do something. So I encourage you, talk to Pastor Jason. Uh, that's a great opportunity. All right, crazy train. Who feels like their relationships are a little crazy sometimes? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I know, okay, fine. I, my relationships are crazy. If you guys don't want to admit it, that's fine. I'll, I'll admit it. In this series, we're talking about crazy indicators and how they wreak havoc on our relationships. And last week, we started with crazy expectations. That's the indicator number one, crazy expectations. You know, we bring in these expectations, these relationships, and... Uh, they, they, cause, they cause issues. I, I actually had somebody come af, uh, after service last week, and they're like, I just want to thank you for the arguments that I'm about to have with my spouse because we're going to have to talk about it. So if, if you had to deal with some arguments. It's good. Here, I'm going to say this about arguments. We live in a time where arguments are just, they're off the table. You're, you can't have arguments. And I want to say that we've, we've lost the art of disagreeing. We've lost the art of being able to communicate through things. And so I, I'm going to push on that light. Don't run from disagreements. Like, don't run from, I'd say, just conflict. Conflict can be bad, but this could be opportunities to communicate, to work through things, to talk. So, anyways, just, just putting that out there. All right, crazy indicator number two. You guys ready? Fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Um, the good thing is you guys can all rest easy knowing that everybody sitting in this room has dealt with, is continuing to deal with this problem. So n none of you can act all high and mighty today, acting like, well, I don't deal with this. We all deal with it. We all deal with this fear of rejection. Uh, we want to be accepted, right? We, we want to belong. We want to be a part of something. And we all face that, that fear, right? We all face that fear that, like, we won't be accepted. We won't belong. We, and, we, and, we, and we want to. Um, I was... I, I mean, I'm not, like, tall right now, but I was the second shortest guy in junior high, okay? Um, so for all those short people out there, like, I feel you. I was the second shortest. And with that, like, I, I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be accepted. I didn't want to be the short kid, right? I played sports, and, of course, shortest guy in the basketball court and shortest guy in the soccer field. And it's like, I, I wanted to belong in that. And so... What happens is, is you start acting different ways because you know, well, you're not going to be that tall guy that gets all the attention. It's like you have to, you have to make up for something, right? 
Like now I have to be the funny guy or I have to be the, the fun person or I have to do something in order to belong, in order to be accepted. And that's the thing. When we talk about fear of rejection, we each do different things to try to, to get that, to try to get that acceptance. And the problem comes in when we go against who we truly are, when we go against our identity, when we, when we start doing things that, that really aren't good um, to be accepted. So fear of rejection is our crazy indicator number two. If you joined us, if you're fairly new with us, every week, um, I shouldn't say every week, that's pretty much every week, though, uh, the pastors and I get together and we hop in the car and we talk about uh, these, these sermons, uh, what's going on, and so you can hear different lenses, different people talking about what they think about this. So let's watch this video and watch myself, Pastor CR, and Pastor Jason talk about fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. So, we were talking about this, and the same thing with, uh, you know, we talked about expectations last week. Like, expectations of themselves, not really a crazy indicator, right? It's right. like yeah. having expectations isn't bad. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, we are all crazy, but it's not because we have <laughs> expectations. <laughs> but it's what you do. Anyways, that's last week. This week, all right, fear of rejection. Um, not necessarily crazy in and of itself. No, because you can have, like, pretty rough things that impact impact you from a child from oh, being a child yeah. that would uh, wound you to the point oh, of yeah. where entering into relationship there's going to be a fear of rejection that comes along with that it's almost like you know being afraid of the like a barking dog you know what I'm saying right. like, yeah. there is potential to be injured yes there is potential to be harmed it's kind of annoying we're always like oh faith over fear like you can't like there, there's a reason to have Fear. <laughs> There's you know good I mean? reasons like, to be yeah. afraid. Be, be very afraid. afraid. <laughs> very afraid. <laughs> You're right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's like. All right. Well, what's no? What's but, the healthy thing in that? You know what I mean? Right. Because there are reasons to be afraid. Here's the thing. Scripture does speak to that. Yes. 365 times right. the Bible says, "Fear not." Fear not. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I know that sounds really dismissive to just say that to somebody. You know, right. don't fear. Don't right. fear. Yeah. But it, it is the opposite of trusting. That that's, that's God the, loves yes, you that's and the has problem. the best yes. for you. That's the thing, because it goes against your your trusting of God. Yes. Basically. Well, that's why Paul tells Timothy that, you know, God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity. Right. But the spirit of power. Mm-hmm. You know, we if we trust God and move forward trusting that God is not only who he says he is, but also will do what he's promised to do. Right. And then it changes it changes the way we interact with everyone. Yeah. Right. Because now we can truly move out of trust and even out of joy, even if we get rejected. Right. That, that's, right. That's the issue is even if I'm rejected, it's not dependent, it doesn't change right. me. It's not dependent on the outcome. We're, we're going to be rejected. Yes. And that's, I was about to say, yeah, you're going to. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. hard to hear. Like, it's hard yeah. to face. Like, it's just a, it's, it's, yeah. it's not the, I, think, I don't know, the boogeyman in the closet or something. Yeah, there, there is this sort of arbitrary line, though, where it goes from you know, a valid reason to have uh, uh, some issues with rejection to where it's over the line in the pride when it's, when it, when it's, when you're protecting your pride, Mm. you're protecting your identity. Mm. Um, when you're in a place of self-protection, 
then that's when we're talking about fear of rejection getting into right. a, a, a place that's preventing you from entering into healthy relationships. Right. That's right. the that's the crazy indicator is what right. that fear is producing or what you're doing yeah. because of the fear. Yes. And, and, and that's where the scriptures speak very loudly yeah. uh, to right. our identity and pride. Right. right? right, right. Those things are when... If you're if you're in a self protection area right. out of a fear of rejection for that, yeah. scripture's got a lot to say about that. Right. Yeah. But I you know, I've been hurt and so I don't want to feel that way again. Yeah. Who wants to be <laughs> who wants to be hurt, right? I mean, yeah, of course. And it, it, So I just won't put myself out there and I won't uh... Right, and then you keep yourself from a relationship and you stay in the self protecting mode and that's Unhealthy. Right, right. <laughs> this is where I feel like, you know, pop psychology uh, goes really off track here is when it gets into this, it's okay to protect yourself from everything all the time mm-hmm. out of you've been hurt, so, yeah. so isolate yourself. Yeah, no, no, that is not healthy at all. It's like you know? the, uh, this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> little giants. I just I don't know why. The little giants. <laughs> oh man! If you've seen this, you're kind of dating yourself. I am dating. John. I am That's dating myself. Sick. Little giants. This kid comes to practice, and his parents have bubble wrapped him. This is football. Uh, little pee wee football. Parents had bubble wrapped him, and the kids just start <laughs> pushing him around in the circle. But I just think of that. I think yeah. of like we are bubble wrapping ourselves, us, and and in doing that, you cannot. You can't participate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, w- when you do that, you can't participate at all. Yeah. So, really, it's not rejection that's the issue. It's fear. Yes. Right. When we it's enter fear. into relationships and fear is the baseline instead of trust, mm-hmm. instead of love, then the relationship is going to be unhealthy. That's right. And that's where we got to start. Okay, what do we do with that? Right. All right. Anybody's actually seen Little Giants? Do they know what I'm talking about? Some people are like, yes. Oh, man. Good good times. Good times. It's always bad. That's a tough thing. You want to give these references, and then half the people haven't seen them, and they're like, just totally lose interest. So I'm sorry if you, if you haven't seen that part. Anyways. I was thinking about this. It's amazing how much um, power there is in potential. And that's what a lot of fear, there's a potential for something bad. It's, so it's amazing how much power there is in that potential. If you've seen, here's another movie reference. Anybody seen Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. Great, great interaction in there. Some of you might know where I'm going with this. You got Jim Car- Carrey's character. He goes up to this lady. He says, he's asking this girl, what are my chances? Hey, what are my chances with you? And he's like, you know, one in 100, 110, one in 100. And she's like, uh, it's, no, it's more like one in a million. And a little pause, and you see this, this big grin on his face, and he goes, so you're telling me there's a chance. All right? That potential, right? There's that, hey, she didn't say there wasn't. It's one in a minute. There's a chance. All right? And just how potential can bring hope and motivation, that same uh, potential can lead to pain and failure, can lead us to indecision, you know? If, if there's potential pain, I don't know. That potential pain can lead to fear and lead you to do things that you never thought that you would do. And that's why fear of rejection is our, our second crazy indicator. When we approach relationships with the goal of not being rejected, we set ourselves up for failure because we're setting up a relationship under false premises. It's amazing what we'll do. Think about your first crush. What are some of the things you did with your first crush? It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. 
All of a sudden, you start wearing different clothes. You start talking different. Guys start watching chick flicks, right? You're just like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? And yeah, some of these things, they're harmless. We could argue they're harmless, but the principle is still true in this. If we can't handle this potential of rejection, if we can't handle rejection, we'll go to extreme lengths to make sure that we don't feel that way. We'll go to extreme lengths to make sure that that doesn't happen. And this does not lead to healthy relationships. It leads to unhealthy codependency. It leads to false sense of identity. It leads to a relationship built on lies. Simply put, this is a, re- this is a recipe for a disaster. You're setting yourselves up. Now, we can acknowledge that this fear is unhealthy, uh, but it doesn't negate the fact that it's painful to be rejected. It's, you know, this doesn't feel good. None of us like that. None of us like that feeling we get when we're not accepted, when we're not embraced, when we're rejected. Uh, CR shared with me a video a couple weeks ago, and there was this guy, uh, he was given a speech, and he had some traumatic experiences early in his life where he had been rejected and excluded and stuff like that. And he was, he was noticing in his adult life how much it was affecting him, how much it was affecting his actions and things he was doing. And so he went on a journey to, to face that fear of rejection. And, you know, he talks about Googling all these different things and all these different methods. And he came across this method um, where you set yourself up for rejection. Like, you put yourself in opportunities that you know you're going to be rejected. And this guy filmed himself getting rejected a hundred times. Like, he, he, he literally went out and he's, he, set, he set himself up to, so like one of them, he, he, he was going to go to a fast food restaurant and ask for a refill for his burger. Like, the, the, the people like look at him like cross, like, wait, wait, what? what? Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, do you, do you guys do burger refills? He knew they were going to reject him. He knew they were going to say no. Uh, one time, he, had, he went to Starbucks, and he asked the, the, the lady at the counter, he's like, hey, can I, can I be a greeter for you guys? Like, you know, like they do at Walmart. Like, can I be a greeter? And it's, it's interesting the things that he did. He just, random people asking random questions, knowing that they would say no. And the funny thing was, like, in doing this, the stigma of being rejected started going away. Like, he noticed that, I mean, he was learning things not only about himself, but even why someone would say no or why someone would reject him. And a lot of times when we think about rejection, it's very personal, right? It's, it's you don't like me. There's something about me that isn't good. And, and we, you know, we go ahead and we project that someone's going to say something or have a certain reaction to us. But the thing he noticed was like most of the time, if he started having a conversation with somebody, he found out it wasn't really a personal thing. It was like, it was funny with the Starbucks greeter thing. He mentioned, he's like, that's kind of weird, isn't it? And the ladies, at, or the guy at the counter was like, yeah, that is kind of weird. And then he started talking about more, and then they let him do it. So he like is literally at Starbucks greeting people coming in. But it's like, he had this conversation. He acknowledged it was weird. And it wasn't about him necessarily. It was just the circumstance, right? Like, I'm at work. Like, I don't want to deal with this. He mentioned going to somebody's house and literally holding a plant, knocks on the door and says, can I plant this in your backyard? And the guy's like, no. And then if he would have just walked away at that point, he would never have known why. And he asked, he asked the guy why. He just said, why? And he's like, well, I've got a dog, and he, he pulls up everything. And so if you planted it, he would just pull it up. He's like, actually, the lady next door loves plants. Go over to her. 
And he said he went, knocked on her door, asked if he could plan it, and she was like, oh, yes, and loved it. But again, it's like, it's that principle of like, we start lensing and projecting what people are going to say and do, and we make it really personal. Do you know, anybody know how many thoughts they have in a day? I know that's probably a weird question to ask. So I heard, suppose we have 50,000 thoughts a day. How many do you think of those are negative? So again, I, I'm not a scientist, but you know, based on what I saw, what I heard, that we only have, we, we have 40,000 negative thoughts. So we have 10,000 good thoughts, 40,000 negative thoughts. So roughly 80% of your thoughts a day are negative thoughts. And we wonder why, when there's these potentials, that we go to the negative. We wonder why these, these potentials, of these outcomes, we jump to the negative. So I think it's, it's no surprise, you know, when we're dealing with relationships, when we're dealing with these potentials in our lives, there's self-doubt. There's questions. We just, we just go to that, eh, it's, it's probably not going to work out. It's probably not going to be good. They're probably not going to like me. And I also think it's no surprise how much fear is talked about in Scripture. It's, it's almost as if God knows us. <laughs> it's almost as if God understands what we're going through. And so my first point today is this. It, it's our response to fear and rejection that defines us. Just having those fears, we said to me, just having those fears, it's, it's going to be there. We're going to face those all the time. But what are you doing with that? What are the thoughts that come into your head? What are the mechanisms that you put in place to keep yourself from being hurt? And how are they hurting? I think about, you know, when I fear. Think about, like, if, if that thought comes in your head, what are you doing? If you're interacting with somebody and you have this negative thought, what is it? If I'm fearing something, what am I going to? What's that, what's that thought? What's that action? Fear, for most of us, seems very natural, seems very normal. You know, it just happens. We don't have to try. It's just there. And we bring that into relationships. You meet somebody new, you think, how are they going to hurt me? What do I have to do to make sure I don't get hurt? You know, relationships never last, so I'm not going to put much stock in this. They can't handle me. They can't deal with, with me. So I'm going to keep a distance. Maybe it's just, will they like me? I don't like myself. How are they going to like me? And these are the things that we bring into our relationships and why so many times we have this fear going into them. And so I ask, wh where do we turn with this? Where do we turn with our fear, with, our, with this anticipation of being hurt? And I think this is where it's so important to say, God, what do you think? God, what do you say? What's in scriptures? How does scripture guide us? Last week, I brought up uh, the prophet Jeremiah. We talked about the, the verse that's so famous. I, I have planned for you, plans to prosper. We talked about that. And I was reading through more of Jeremiah, and there's a, there's a section of verses right in the beginning that I think are really important for us to, to look through. It's in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to read it real quick. It says, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. Here we go, that self-doubt. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you 
and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. We, we miss so many times what's going on in some of these people we read about in Scripture. We just hear about, oh, well, Jeremiah, you know, he gave these prophecies to people, and he led these people, and, and then you, you see this, like, oh, he, he was afraid that he was too young. He was afraid of what the people would think of him. He was afraid of all of these things. And it's like, I can understand that. Pastor Jason referenced the, the Paul and Timothy relationship. That fear of being too young. Don't be, don't, be, don't be afraid. God has something for you. God has a purpose for you. So my next point is this. We face fear by embracing our true identity. We face fear by embracing our true identity. The Lord, let's say, you know, the Lord said, don't say I'm too young. Don't be afraid of the people. I will be with you. I will protect you. What happens so many times is we, we just rely on ourselves. We just think about, you know, how we can do it ourselves, and we don't, we don't understand who God says we are. We don't, we don't embrace that. Our vision statement for press We've shared this before. It's, it's this. It says, to, to make a difference in this community by helping people embrace their identity in Christ. That's so, so big for us. And I know that part, there's, there's some of us that maybe understand, like, okay, what does it mean to embrace your identity in Christ? And we'll, we'll, we'll talk more through that. But at the core of it, like, the, the foundation of it is that you are loved. Your identity is loved by Christ. You are loved by God. And a lot of us, what happens is, is we try to find love outside of that. We try to find love outside of God. We try to find love in our spouse, in our friends, in relationships. And so we're building these relationships to fulfill something that they can't fully fulfill. These relationships will, will never completely satisfy you. Like, I love my wife. She loves me. We have, like, that is something that, from day one, I said, no matter what happens, you know, know that I love you, and I will trust that you love me, and that, and that keeps us centered, but at the same time, like, I can never be completely fulfilled by her, and she can never be completely fulfilled by me, because we're both broken, we both screw up, and we both have struggles and issues, her not as many issues, she's, guys like that, put that in there, <laughs> little checkbox. I'll get you flowers today, too. <laughs> but that's what happens is we, 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 we come into relationships with, with expectations from last week. And, and we also come at them not, you know, we want them to, to, to fulfill something in us that they can't fully fulfill. And that's why that rejection is so painful. That rejection is so painful because we put something on that relationship that it really can't completely give us. And even if it gives us a little bit, it's, it's like, what are you really getting out of that? Is it, is it a true sense of security? Is it a true sense of love? Or is it a, a temporary fix to make yourself feel like you're being loved? So embracing our identity in Christ, so big. Uh, many scriptures speak to this. And I, I, won't, I don't have time to all of all the scriptures of who we are in Christ. But there's two that I think uh, are very... Um, 
in line with what we were talking about today, and this is this fear of rejection. So two that I think really help us battle this fear of rejection. The first one is Romans uh, chapter 8, and it's verses 14 through 17. It says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, we, if, our children, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, if we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This first one, the, the, the main point is you are adopted. And this is a weird word because some of us aren't adopted in this room. And if you are adopted, you, you get the power like, there's a power of having a place. There's a power of, of having that belonging, of that, of that security. And if you struggle to feel that belonging, if you struggle to feel that security, there's verses like this where, where we see that through Christ, we are adopted. Through Christ, we have a place. Like, to me, that's like, that's super important because no matter what happens here, no matter what friends let me down, no matter what party I'm excluded from, I, I have a place. I have a belonging through Christ. Because of God, I fit in. You can be the weirdest person in the room. You fit in. You can be the most normal person in the room. You fit what's normal anyways, like, uh, yeah, but think about that. Like, you have a, a place, and that's, that's the thing. So much of us, why we don't like rejection, why we want that acceptance, because we want a place. We want belonging. We want that security. So Romans 8, 14 through 17, you are adopted. You have a place. Next verse is this, Romans 8, 37 through 39. It says this, now, no, not now, no. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why I said, embracing your identity, first and foremost, you are loved. You are loved. I think that's, that's hard for some of us to embrace um, because we haven't experienced that. We haven't seen that. We haven't felt that. And I think it's so important to know that no matter what happens, you are loved. I've said this. I need to say it more. The power that's in knowing your identity in Christ is immense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do what I do if I didn't. I, I've joked about that before. Like, it's not easy standing in front of people and, and talking for 30, 40 minutes. Like, I, I get off the stage and I'm like, oh, did I say that right? And it, it's, a mental, it's a mental battle. And if I, if I only uh, embrace who I am based on, like, how much people like me or how, how good I did, I am going to continue to be sorely disappointed. If you continue to find your identity only in how many friends you have or, or 
anything surrounding some other person, you're going to be disappointed. They're going to let you down. And so, like, there is such a freedom in this. Uh, I used to lead worship and do a lot of music stuff. I remember early on, like, I, I hated messing up. I hated messing up on stage. Like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's terrible. You know what I mean? And you feel like it's, it's, like it's personal. You screw up. And I, and I remember the point where I, I got to a point where I just fully embraced where I was and who I was in Christ and I didn't, it didn't matter if I screwed up. It didn't matter what happened. I could, I could rest in the fact that, you know what, this doesn't take away who I am. This doesn't take away my worth. And I think a lot of us, we, we, we place our worth on these, on these exterior things or these producing things in our life. And we miss that, that you know, these verses in Romans, it's like, what? It doesn't say, if you do this well enough, I will love you. It doesn't say, like, make sure you're perfect and I will love you. If you are led by the Spirit of God, you are a child of God. That's simple. If you, are led, if you have your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, there it is. You're adopted. You belong. You're a part. Your identity is secure in him. It doesn't matter what happens today. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. You can lose your job. You can screw up. You can get a raise. You can do awesome. And it's all the same. He still loves you. You still have a place. So my last point is this. Rejection loses its power when we know our worth. You, you will be rejected at some point. Some of us more than others, but you will be rejected. You will, you will face rejection. But when you know your worth, when you know who you are because of Christ, that rejection, that sting, it starts to diminish. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying you don't have to work through that. I'm not saying you don't have to continue to trust God. But that's the thing. When we trust God to say, you know what? I'm going to trust what you say about me more than what they say about me. I'm going to trust that you say I'm loved even though they're not acting like I'm very lovable. And when we bring that into our relationships, now we're not expecting something out of a relationship that they can't fully give us. We are going into it with confidence knowing that I'm loved by Christ and I belong and I have a place. And no matter what happens between us, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest in that. And I, again, I'm not saying this, it's just that happens and you're good. This is something you have to work on. There's, there's very few things in our spiritual faith that are just like, oh, you're good. I mean, God can do miracles, absolutely. But most of the time, there's a process. It's a process of, you know, dying to yourself. We see that in the scripture. This dying to yourself. It's a process of growing. It's a process of trusting God more than I trust myself. It's a process of knowing this person may, may let me down and I'm still going to rest in, in God and who, I, who God says I am. And that's a process. Again, I lost my spot. I did this last week. Okay, here we go. Don't change who God has called you to be. 
Like Jeremiah, we fight against those internal thoughts that make us fearful. But don't cheapen your relationships by, by being something you think that they want. Don't cheapen your relationships by becoming something that you, you expect they will want. Embrace the love God has for you. Embrace that you have a place and that you belong and it's not earned. It's about embracing that identity that is grounded in who God is and what he has done for us. Dylan, you could come up. Because of that, our worth and value first come from him. Don't let the fear of rejection poison your relationships. Trust who God says that you are. Now again, these are, these are not just quick fixes. It's not the, you know, do these three steps and all of a sudden your relationships are perfect. But this is a, a daily reminder of trusting and believing who God says about you and knowing that if I continue to meditate on these things, when I continue to trust him more and more, I don't go into relationships trying to be somebody I'm not. I don't try to do something outside of my character or outside of something God has called me to be. I rest in who he has called me to be and the purpose that I have on my life. And there's going to be some people that don't like that. And there's going to be some people that do. But when we trust in God, that's, that's, where, that's where there's freedom. There's freedom to just be. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the, the ways that you are working in each of our lives. And I know that, you know, obviously for those of you, you know, watching online, for those here, there's so many stories and, and, and different complexities to relationships. Some that are harder or more intricate than others. And God, I pray that no matter where each of us find ourselves with relationships and maybe some of the difficulties in some of those relationships, God, I pray that, that we would first be grounded in our identity in you, that we would embrace who you say we are. And, and because of that, that we would then have a freedom to not have to try to be something that we think somebody else wants, that we wouldn't try to live out in a way just to keep us from not being hurt or rejected, God, but that we would have that freedom of just living who you say we are. And God, I, I pray for your, your grace and your patience with us and that you would lead us in that journey of finding who we are, of, of understanding who we are, and that we would seek you and trust you that you are going to help us in that. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you're doing. It's your name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as we continue this time of worship.